Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to all the shit I've learned abroad. Hey there, Steph. I hope you're having a good time in Australia and that you're sculling back a few schooners of VB and just getting loose, mate. Couldn't couldn't resist. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of all the shit I've learned abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Hello. We've got a very exciting episode this week. Yes, we do. We have brought on a very good friend of mine from back home, my friend Sean, who is First Officer Sean, uh, and he's actually a pilot for a major Canadian airline. Um, And we thought it would be great to bring him on just to give us a bit of insight into the aviation industry right now and how they're dealing with COVID. Mm -hmm. We've been wanting to bring him on for a while now, actually. Um, so I'm so glad yeah. it finally came together and we worked out yeah. three time zones. Yes. I mean, that's always difficult uh, to do. But yeah, we, we managed to get this interview in with Sean. And yeah, again, it's just, you know, great to get some different perspective. Like Steph and I have been doing all these episodes on COVID and how we think, you know, travel is going to change in the future. But what does that mean for the aviation industry and employees and passengers? Um, so yeah, Sean was great, had some great insight. So check it out. Sean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us this week. We're here with First Officer Sean. (laughs) Nice to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Just, I'm just wondering, can you kind of take us on your best pilot voice liftoff for the podcast? Uh, Yeah, we can can do that. So uh, what's the situation? Are we like just flying through the air? Is there some turbulence coming up? I think we're we're flying through the air. We're doing takeoff. We got some turbulence going. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your first officer speaking from the flight deck. Uh, looks like we have a little bit of, uh, turbulence up ahead. If you could just, uh, buckle up and, uh, remain seated and uh, we'll get you there as, uh, smooth as we possibly can. Thank you very much. Oh, I love it. Thank yeah. you. I, I always <laughs> hope, I always hope that one day I'm on a flight and I remember once actually being on a flight and I heard someone that I thought was you Oh, really? Uh, on the airline that you fly with. And I was like, yeah. maybe that's Sean. And then... 
it wasn't actually because I checked checked your Instagram and you were off gallivanting in some other country at the time. <laughs> you did the creep, eh? I know I did. <laughs> a little deep creep there. That's fine. I was really excited. Usually when you when you come on, they will introduce us. So if you ever do, you know, hear my name, come up and say hi. I will. Come up to the cockpit. Well, not just after we land, though. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll let you do your work. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, Sean and I, we go way back. Sean and I used to work uh, in radio together. And it was funny because I remember you used to talk about planes all the time. I remember you had a um, one of those app, like the tracking thing on your phone where you could track flights and you'd sit at your desk <laughs> tracking planes flying in and out. And then I remember after I left and I moved to London... And it was a few years later that you actually left and you are literally the person that went and followed their dreams and became a pilot, (laughs) which we were all so proud of you. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, it was a cool experience and uh, really happy that I got the opportunity to do it. You know, we had a lot of fun uh, working in radio together, no doubt. And it was a great, you know, it was a great time for sure, but I was never really passionate about it. You know, I, I enjoyed going to work and, but yeah, my passion was always about aviation and uh, it just seemed that, you know, in my early 20s, you know, the amount of uh, money and uh, time to be able to start my career, you know, start a career in aviation almost seemed like insurmountable. Um, mm. But uh, when I was 28, there was an interesting opportunity that a small airline uh, did in partnership with the airline that I work for now. And uh, basically, they hired me. Um, I had to pay for my training, but it was uh, basically as close to a guarantee of a job as that that you could possibly get in aviation. Um, And I applied uh, thinking that uh, I wouldn't get it because I was kind of older than, you know, the target market of what they were looking for. They basically wanted people just out of high school. And uh, anyway, I got the interview. And next thing you know, I packed my bags and was leaving radio to go to flight school. It's crazy to think that we think we're too old in our mid twenties to. It's I know it's not do something new. That was like when Steph and I, when we moved to London, and we were we would have been about twenty five, twenty six, yeah, twenty five, yeah. twenty six, and it was the same thing. We're like, are we too old to do this? And now, ten years later, it's like, oh, how young we were. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been amazing to follow your journey into becoming a pilot. And so we've, you know, we've done quite a few episodes this year, obviously around COVID and the future of travel. And, you know, when we first started doing these episodes back in March, Steph and I really thought it'd be like two or three episodes. We'd chat COVID, future of travel, and then we'd be back to normal. And here we are in almost <laughs> December and we're still living in this weird dystopian time um and we had talked in a few episodes before just about the future of airline travel and we thought it would be great to get someone on who has kind of a better perspective than we do uh which is why we asked you to be here um so as an airline pilot i'm sure you can give us some you know some insight into kind of how it's been for you uh your colleagues actually working for airlines and um any sort of changes that have come from that so just starting off I mean, when is the last time that you actually flew a plane? <laughs> yeah, like, that was my question. Are you working now? Are you furloughed? What's your situation? Yeah, right so um, I, it's it's kind of uh, interesting. So the last time I actually flew uh, was March twentieth, coming back from mm. uh, I was I was in Havana. Um, after that, uh, so there was a few more days of uh, flying, kind of uh, near the end of the month. 
And basically what the airline was doing was bringing all the Canadians back from, you know, the Caribbean and Florida and places like that. And then April 1st, um, the part of the airline that uh, I work for actually uh, folded. Well, they didn't fold. They went on hiatus um, Mm. because the uh, part of the airline that I work for is uh, generally aimed at uh, leisure travel. And of course, with, uh, you know, with the uh, restrictions that uh, went in place in April, (laughs) Uh, leisure travel uh, didn't really exist anymore. So since then, I haven't been furloughed, but I was uh, declared as surplus. Uh, basically, that I'm still employed, but there's no th- there's no flying job available to me there. I did recently uh, go back into the simulator to uh, get my uh, what's called a type rating uh, reinstated. Uh, which allows me to fly the plane. And you have to, uh, at my airline, we do that every six months. So I'm good for another uh, six months. Um, I've been told that I will return uh, flying anytime in uh, December or January. But uh, as I know, uh, the airline is just kind of taking it uh, day by day, uh, seeing right. you know what the demand is and planning accordingly. But right now it's kind of, yeah, it's it's odd. Like I'm kind of in the dark. I, you know, I did go back to the simulator. So I thought that, uh, you know, things would be starting back up uh, but it looks like it's taking a little bit longer than we thought so yeah do you think the airline you work for do you think they're because here in australia we've hit this amazing point yesterday we have no new cases no new deaths no active cases now okay so air travel internally within australia is really picking up again do you think they're watching what's happening in australia as like a guide kind of of the timeline, how to get back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I definitely I think like that, we're ahead um, of you in recovery. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that's true as well. I, as, from what I remember too, Australia was, um, they, they seem to be affected by COVID, uh, you know, earlier than, uh, earlier than North America, it seemed like, right. I could be wrong. Yeah. But yeah, um, no, cause that was our winter. Right, so it, right. it's, um, and it looked like it was winding down, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, now it is ramping back up a little bit. You know, it, it's it's interesting because um, I think that uh, there's a, you know definitely a s- segment of the travel industry you know wants the government to uh, kind of adapt to this uh, by you know enacting some rapid testing. Yeah, to, uh, when you arrive in Canada, but mm-hmm. uh, also just to kind of s- step back and look at the um, you know look at the various rules that they put in. And um, while maybe a full lockdown or a a full quarantine of the border made sense in April, maybe it doesn't make sense now that we know a little bit more about the virus and, uh, you know, how it spreads. And it actually turns out that um, it's um, very difficult to get COVID um, on board an aircraft. Uh, Yeah, I was I was actually reading that. Yeah. Yeah. Where they were saying uh, people obviously are afraid of you know, being on a plane or traveling yeah, via airplane because they think it's it will spread quicker somehow. But actually now yeah. they're saying that it's kind of the opposite where yeah, one so, of the safest places. <laughs> yeah, you have a few factors at play there. One is that everybody is sitting down but facing uh, the same way. So mm-hmm. you're, the likelihood of you, you know, being sneezed on or coughed on, something like that, is uh, very unlikely. Um, unless mm-hmm. maybe the person sitting beside you, okay, that that uh, is a possibility, yeah. But the big thing too is that the, uh, as far as I understand, one of the uh, factors that really mitigates COVID on an aircraft is the the way that the air is uh, filtered and cycled. 
uh, the air is constantly being uh, pumped in from the uh, from the electrical and the pneumatic system of the airplane. So a lot of people think it's just the same air that you're breathing over and over again, but that's definitely not the case. Uh, right. so okay. that, that is actually a big part of uh, why, from what I understand, I am not a scientist, but from what I right. understand, that factor alone is one of the big uh, one of the big reasons why it is difficult to get COVID on an airplane. But we didn't know about that in April. So right, well, that, but, that's it. Yeah. I mean, as you said, we're still kind of taking this day by day. And you even said, you know, you're not a scientist, but even scientists don't even you know know yeah. about a lot of these things until. Uh, yeah, as we kind of learn more about it on a day-to-day sure. basis. For sure. And so for you, with the airline that you work for, like what was the first kind of messaging that you guys got as employees um, back in March about what was happening, kind of what was going to happen with jobs? Did they think it was a serious thing? Were they taking into account that it might last as long as it has lasted? I think the airlines, um, you, you know, the airline was definitely keeping uh, track of what was going on. It didn't really, uh, it didn't really seem to get serious until I would say about March. Uh, the the company they do fly to China, and I know that they actually voluntarily uh, decided to stop going to uh, China quite early on. I want to say February, but don't quote me on that. Um, they also elected to not uh, fly to uh, Italy. Um, right. when, when Italy, uh, got out of control. And I think that was mm-hmm. February too. It's that was so long February. Ago. Yeah. Cause yeah, right. I remember being over in Portugal in February, which obviously is not Italy, but close by. And yeah, they had kind of were cautious about people traveling in and out in Portugal as well. And so, and for you and like your, the colleagues that you work with at your airline, what did you guys think of it? Did you, again, did you think it was going to go on this long? Did you think, all right, this will play out in a couple months and we'll be, everything will kind of go back to normal? Um, I, I think that, yeah, I think that a lot of people um, that I worked with did not, could not foresee that it would be this uh, serious in terms of like how long and the effect on the industry that it's had. You know, I as pilots, you're generally sitting up front, you know, in a closed off area in the cockpit. So you're kind of insulated from that. But I remember, you know, the flight attendants who deal with the passengers, uh, you know, quite closely, um, a lot of them being quite, you know, quite concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I remember, you know, I feel bad about this now, but I remember thinking, you know, oh, my God, they're wearing masks and stuff. You know, right. <laughs> I, right. I remember them being like, OK, you guys seem a little, you know, not not all of them. But uh, I remember there was a certain crew that I worked with. And I remember thinking, man, they're so paranoid. You know, they got the mask on, they got the gloves yeah. on but way yeah. before anybody was wearing it and way before, you know, it was the mandatory thing to do. Um, yeah, I remember just kind of rolling my eyes being like, okay, like, you know, I think you're being a little <laughs> bit dramatic. And now I feel like an asshole. But <laughs> yeah, as you sat up in your fancy throne in your cockpit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if they're listening, I apologize. <laughs> I flew to visit Andrea at the very beginning of March. Yeah. And I remember thinking, at that time, it was we were just starting to know about Italy, but it was really in China, yeah. Iran, Korea. Um, so I thought, okay, the UK's safe. Like, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of, on my way over, there was a couple people wearing masks, not a lot. And I joked. I said, you know, you know shit's getting real when you see white people wearing masks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then by the time I flew back, almost everyone had a mask on. And now here in Melbourne, I think we're on day and like 28 or something of mandatory masks everywhere inside outside you cannot go anywhere so it's 
the shift in the mask mentality from oh yeah March till now, it's just night and day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the, the irony of that as well, that Steph and I caught COVID while she was over here. So we joked about it and then we got it. Um, you, you guys got it? Oh, yeah. I didn't tell yeah. you this. Yeah. <gasps> Steph and I were. I... Um, <laughs> yeah, we were pretty sick the whole time Steph was here. I had started. I don't think we've ever actually talked about this openly on uh, the podcast. So we'll do it now. Okay. Um, but I had started feeling a little bit sick a couple days Steph before Steph got here but nothing you know I didn't think anything of it again there was like very few cases in the UK and then Steph came here and then a few days kind of went in and then it (laughs) kind of I've started getting some of those symptoms but the symptoms I had were not even symptoms at the time so I lost my taste and smell um I had an eye infection before which again I just thought I got pink eye or something but turns out that's now they're saying is uh a symptom uh and then a few days after Steph got sick and then our whole you know the two weeks Steph was here we were just sick in bed for the whole time Um, moaning and groaning at each other and I ended up calling the NHS number here and you know they had a number to call if you had symptoms and I called them twice saying you know I've got these symptoms but and I was okay like our symptoms they were like we felt pretty shit but you know we didn't have to go to the hospital or anything and you know they said no you're fine you haven't come from Italy or anywhere that's affected by it like you know you're probably fine you have a cold okay um, and then it wasn't until <laughs> Steph, you know, that's when everything started to change in March. It was like borders were closing. Um, Steph was over here. She's like, fuck, I need to get back to Australia. And she had to make the decision, you know, do well, I-, <laughs> I had everyone, everyone was messaging me cause Australia made an announcement saying everyone needs to get back now cause they were going to close their borders. Yeah. So everyone was messaging me saying, you know, you got to go back early. And I couldn't because I wasn't telling people we were sick. And I was like, I can't go back early. <laughs> like, I'm sick. Yeah. Um. So I waited until, you know, my fever was gone. My symptoms were gone um, till I flew back. But even then, like, it yeah. was... Uh, that's a decision that you had to make. And like we said, it yeah. changed so quickly. But Steph ended up getting... Uh, in the UK, they weren't doing loads of testing then so I couldn't get a test done but again I didn't think I had it you know I just thought like all right coincidence I've been run down with something and then sure enough Steph got tested positive well yeah (laughs) and I thought I would actually test negative because I felt fine by the time I flew back and by the time I was here so I went just out of precaution and I still tested positive which leads me to actually my next question something I've questioned this whole thing to the airline industry Um, And I'd love to know your thoughts on this because I went to the airport and I told them I hadn't been feeling well, but I wasn't asked anything about it. Like I said, oh, like I feel fine now, but I haven't been feeling well. And it was like there was no protocol set up yet for this because they didn't they didn't do anything. They actually put me so there was no one sitting around me which was kind of nice because I just laid down and slept the whole flight back. (laughs) But it seems like, too, there were no protocols yet. Like, is this something they ever taught you about, prepared you about in advance? Did you ever do scenario planning in your, you know, pilot school? For a for global pandemic? Or was pandemic? this just completely new? <laughs> um, in, in terms of, uh, I, I'm sure that the company had some sort of uh, plan um, for a pandemic. That being said, yeah. I mean, you know, COVID caught everybody by surprise to a degree. I know mm-hmm. that, um, you know, my airline, uh, a lot of the uh, mitigation fac- uh, factors that they did um, were actually industry leading. Mm-hmm. I know that um, I'm trying to think. So I actually flew this summer just within Canada domestically. 
And, um, you know, the measures that were in place there, actually, I flew twice. I flew once to Winnipeg and then once to Vancouver, uh, two different trips. And both of those trips, you know, masks were definitely mandatory and you wouldn't be able to get on the plane if your temperature was over a certain number. Uh, mm -hmm. So they were taking everybody's temperature. Um, but that, then again, this is, you know, June and July that we're talking about. And you guys are talking about March. March. Yeah. 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 Like right yeah. when it was kicking off. So, and, and I mean, now that's in the UK. In terms of Canada, I don't believe there was anything like that being done at that time. From what I can recall, I don't think that uh, temperatures were being taken in March. I mean, uh, mine definitely wasn't as, uh, you know, as an operating crew member. And I can't remember that happening at the gate. What I was actually really concerned about was it's not really what the airline was doing, but what I perceived was, uh, you know, a lack of any action being taken by our uh, customs uh, border and security so mm, yeah coming back to uh, canada because you know i was going to the Car caribbean and uh into the states at that time uh throughout march um the only difference really was when you would go through the customs machine that reads your um customs declaration it would just ask you if you'd been to you know the hubei province of china that's like mm. that was their big you know <laughs> That was their yeah. big screen. Tick the box. Yeah. Yeah. You know, literally you, you ticked a box on a touch screen thing. Yeah. Um, and then someone would wipe it after you were done with it. And then that was it. It seems like that was really the only at the time. And like you said, back in March, April, when it was so new. Yeah. They were only basing it off of, you know, where you'd been. It was the same when I said I called our uh, NHS number. You know, the first question they asked me, they said, oh, have you come from Italy or China? No. Although you're yeah. fine. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm fine then. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of just go about normal. And I think that's what everyone was doing. Um, yeah. And like you said, it just sort of caught everyone by by surprise. Now, when it did become kind of more serious and, and, you know, everyone around the world was kind of going, oh, shit, this is actually a real thing. Yeah. Did did your airline or, you know, any of the airlines that you know of or other colleagues of yours or people that you've worked with, did they put sort of those changes in place kind of ASAP, both for their employees uh, and passengers? Like, did you see a real quick shift in how they were operating? Absolutely, yeah. So um, there was, uh, for example, the first thing they did is they were giving out, uh, they, they stopped doing uh, food service. Mm. Um, the only service they were doing, and this was even at the uh, on my last few flights in uh, March, uh, they suspended food service entirely. And the only thing that the uh, flight attendants were doing was handing out water. Mm -hmm. um and it, at a certain uh, point like or a right. certain interval i guess you could say and then uh, yeah everybody who uh, came on board uh, got a uh, package with a bottle of water some sanitizer and some gloves um yeah. and i think my airline was the first to do that you know according to something that i read that was released from the company but uh yeah they were issuing uh, quite a few safety brief or safety bulletins um pretty much being updated almost on a daily basis just with mm -hmm. new information and, uh, you know, new uh, regulations and things like that. And did much have to change in terms of the pilots and being up in the cockpit and how you guys were kind of going about your jobs? Like, again, I, I know, you know, you mentioned the flight attendants and they're obviously dealing with the actual passengers and probably, ex well, they are exposed to more people and, you know, touching things and yeah. having to clean the bathrooms and all that. But in terms of, you know, the pilots up front, was there much that changed? Um, yeah, so the, uh, so the pilots uh, had to wear um, a mask on the aircraft as well until the cockpit door was closed. 
And then mm-hmm. when it was just the two pilots up there, um, you know, the mask was uh, optional. But in terms of that, I think they, I think now, because I don't really know for sure, just because I wasn't uh, flying, you know, during that period. But uh, I do know that the mask was mandatory until the cockpit door was closed. And I imagine that your temperature was also being taken. Actually, I think your temperature would have been taken uh, going through the uh, crew security. Right. Now that I think of it. Yeah, because we have our own security line. Yeah, it's crazy that, again, going back, talking about masks, how this is kind of the new, you know, it's like at some point as humans, we evolved to wear shoes. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we used to walk around barefoot. And I feel like wearing a mask now is going to be the new normal. And, uh, you know, I used to work with a girl back in the day that she would always wear a mask on a plane. Uh, And we'd always laugh at her like, oh, you know, you're paranoid. Look at you with the mask. And now it's like if you're not wearing a mask, you know, you get scoffed at whether you're on a plane or on a bus or just in, you know, the grocery store. Yeah, I'm hoping that doesn't become the new normal. Like it'll be nice when we don't have to do that anymore. I, I mean, I, I'll say for, for winter, it's not bad. I don't mind actually wearing yeah. it because it keeps your face warm. Um, yeah. I'm getting used to it now. <laughs> it's kind of a cozy comfort now. But <laughs> Well, I think on airlines too, that'll probably, it'll probably stay around the longest on airlines because you do have, you know, Australia is doing great. We have no new cases, but you know, if we've got international travelers coming in or you're going out to other countries where it's still rampant. It is the benefit of being an island, right? Where you can, you know, quarantine somewhat easily hard border closures yeah i guess the same uh, with you andrea i mean i've in the uk right now it's (laughs) it's it's gone a bit wild over here we don't know two very different approaches yeah Yeah, we're uh, i think we're coming out of a lockdown but then also going back into one like nobody knows but we're easing it for christmas it's just nobody comes to the uk right now it's really bad uh but thankfully i've got those antibodies i did an antibody test and i am swimming in antibodies so i'm feeling a little bit safer yeah so you could do whatever you want well the world is your oyster the world i'm saving lives (laughs) you know i'm one of those people that this is see this is part of it though where i think you know as someone now that i've done this test and i've got these antibodies i'm kind of like as you said i'm ready to like get back out there but yeah i still feel like there's still a level of caution that i have to take and you know i do wonder if this is going to be something you know do we think that pilots or airline staff like taking an antibody test is do you think that's going to help i don't know get get airline travel back to normal i'm not sure um you know it's kind of too early to tell to you know to see what'll happen i'm also wondering you know if the vaccine if that's going to be mm. you know I, I would imagine, and not by my airline, but by the industry itself, it might be uh, strongly encouraged. I'm not sure. This is just me kind of, you know, guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that Qantas, at the time of recording this, Qantas said yesterday that all international flights will require vaccine proof of vaccine really? to be able to fly on a Qantas flight. It'll be like a stamp that you get in your passport, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like going to some countries where they require certain vaccines. I mean, Steph, where did you go in? Was it South Africa? Yeah, for South Africa, I had to have yellow fever. And then they gave me, it's like a card they give you in your passport. And you have to show it on arrival to prove, Mm. or you have to show it before you depart. Because they won't let you fly to the country without it. Okay, so it'd be pretty much Hmm. the same thing then. Too bad for those anti-vaxxers out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a good point, though, is in the midst of all this, and we've said this so many times since we started this podcast, but travel is a real privilege. Mm. And I think a lot of people out there really conflate privileges with rights sometimes. Yep. Um, So it'll be interesting for the anti-vaxxers 
to have to come face to face with this is a privilege. It's not a right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be, you know, when this is all kind of settled, there's going to be some pretty interesting discussions going on, I think. Now, have you or any of your, you know, coworkers or anyone you work with con- had to confront anyone who kind of was causing issues, whether it was masks or just this isn't real in general? Um, no, not that I know of. Um, uh, when I think back to March, I think a lot of people were just scared. You know, that was when it was, you know, everybody was like, okay, this is a real thing. And I remember, you know, the, the flights that we were, you know, the outbound flights leaving uh, Toronto were always empty. But we would land somewhere, you know, in the Caribbean or somewhere in Florida, and it would be full of people coming back. And they were just really happy to... Uh, you know, they were really thankful that we were bringing them back. Um, So I never, I never really saw any of that, uh, you know, that COVID related anger that, you know, you you sometimes uh, hear about nowadays. But um, I imagine that, you know, it's definitely happened on any, any flight really, right? I mean, people are generally stressed out flying anyway. And now that you have, you know, this very, very stressful thing, it probably is just compounded for some people. Yeah, having to wear a mask. I mean, I would imagine though, at least, at least with flights now, they're not as full, right? I'd be a little bit less stressed if I had three seats to myself doing like a yeah. seven hour flight. <laughs> I yeah. would kind of try to look at the benefits of it. Yeah, for for a while there was, um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about all the stuff that's happened over the last few months. And I do recall now that, uh, for the first few months, there was actually social distancing uh, enacted on the airplane where they would uh, fill every other seat. Yeah. Um, but they, um, I think when the uh, data showed that it wasn't that easy to uh, get COVID on an airplane, they, um, you know, they started filling those seats again. Yeah. I know and- when I flew to Spain in July, I think it was, um, I flew with BA and it was a full flight. Uh, everyone was wearing masks. Thankfully, you know, there was yeah. no issues with you know, anyone not having to wear a mask and granted, you know, these are the Brits. They kind of just go along with it. I mean, if we were in the U S that's probably where we'd see, uh, more of these issues. Um, you see those crazy videos on Facebook of people just, (laughs) I'm not wearing a mask. It's not a real thing. It's a made up virus. Um, but yeah, no, my flight was completely full and it was the same as you said, they didn't do any, I mean, granted it was a two hour flight. So I don't, you know, there wasn't necessary to be doing drinks and food anyways, but yeah, they gave us a little baggie with a bottle of water, um, I think a bag of like chips or something in it and people only took their masks off to eat and drink and it didn't seem like anyone was you know didn't seem like anyone was too worried I also think if you are someone that's worried about it you probably wouldn't be on a f- plane anyways flying anywhere yeah mm-hmm. um... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com jewelry isn't a gift you give just once It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think in terms of the future of airline travel? Like, what do you think is going to become the new norm? Well, you know, I think eventually it'll get back to where it was. No one knows for sure, right? That's the million dollar question. Some people that I work with say, oh, you know what? We're really close to this vaccine. Once they start handing out the vaccine, I think there's going to be an uptick. For me, mm-hmm. I don't know. The The crazy thing about the airline industry is that, you know, it is up and down, right? Boom, bust. Um, Great pun, by the way. I like I it. I know. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> but, um, you know... The airline industry, year 2000, it was at an all-time high, and it was going until September 2001 when 9-11 happened. And, uh, you know, the industry was shattered after that, right? People were afraid to fly. People were very concerned about world terrorism. And eventually, you know, uh, you know, it started to build itself back up. There was a few setbacks here and there throughout the 2000s, like the 2008 financial crisis was another big setback. You know, I got into the industry in 2014, and it was really on its way up then. And by the time we got to 2020, the industry was at its all-time high. You know, the demand for pilots, uh, you know, everybody was buying planes, everybody was flying it was, there seemed to be no end in sight, you know, and we were taught that was a common thing that, uh, you know, common discussion in the flight deck, you know, and in the crew room is just, you know, when is this, when is this going to end? You know, we are on right. such a run right now. It is fantastic. You can get a job here with like fewer hours. You know, it's a great time to, you know, everybody I would talk to is like, I'm thinking about being a pilot. I would say, Hey, there's no better time than now. It is fantastic. Right. You know? And then something like this comes along and now the industry is probably at its lowest point, I want to say maybe ever. It's a relatively new industry. We've only been flying people, you know, since the early 1920s. And there hasn't been a pandemic like this since 1918. So we don't really have anything to compare it to. Right. Um, But that being said, you know, we've there's there's always been setbacks. And, um, you know, I, I, I think of myself as somewhat of a positive person. I think we will get back to those 2020 levels and exceed them. I just don't know when it's going to be. Mm, um yeah. you're seeing a lot of airlines diversifying right now and getting into cargo um, yes. a lot of uh, a lot of north american uh, carriers have actually converted uh, some of their passenger um you know their passenger airplanes to fly cargo uh, mm. by just taking out the seats so they can uh, take not uh, super heavy uh, cargo but um ppe and things like that things that are in demand and that you can fit into a passenger airliner by taking the seats out you got to adapt right uh, yeah you do have to get, adapt and uh, cargo for the industry i mean that is the one of the surefire ways to make money right now you know i've heard stories before about pl- planes have issues when they're just sitting planes are meant to fly do you think there's just planes that are grounded are they going to have any issues those planes getting them back up in the air what happens i just imagine all these planes at a standstill yeah um so generally um what they do the first thing they do is they look at long-term storage when they uh, put planes away and um actually kind of funny before this whole covid thing um i went down uh 
to Nevada. So uh, you know, my uh, fiance and I and my parents, uh, we went down to Vegas, spent a few days there. And three days is about as uh, much as I can uh, handle in Vegas. So uh, we went to uh, Arizona. We went to uh, Pinal Air Park. And that's where they um, that's where they store all of the um, airliners, because in the desert, you know, the risk of corrosion is very low. The air is very dry. You know, it's generally sunny. So it's a great place to store airplanes. And that's where my airline and pretty much every other airline in North America was just storing their airliners and continues to now. In fact, it's, I've looked at pictures of that place since I've been there and it was fairly full and now it's just jam packed. That'd be pretty cool to see the satellite imagery of the before COVID. Yeah. I'll, you know, um, after I'll, COVID. I'll, uh, I'll send you guys uh, some pictures after that on oh. the, uh, on the email chain. But, um, of course you have pictures. Of course <laughs> I got pictures. You know me. I know but. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so when when you store a plane, you do have to do uh, some continuous maintenance on it. Um, you know, if the plane is being stored uh, to be brought back um, into service within a few months, you actually have to, uh, you know, start the engines and run up some systems. I think it's like once every two weeks, they told us. It also depends on the plane. Every plane's like a little bit different. But anyway, to bring it back into service, it's going to have to go through a, a comprehensive uh, maintenance routine. Um, and yeah, you'll have technicians checking every, um, all the major systems and, um, all the phalanges. Yeah. Well, you got to make sure it's airworthy, <laughs> right? So it's, it's definitely an involved uh, process. And, you know, if they decide to store an airplane, you know, it's not a really decision that they take lightly because it's, you know, it costs money to store an aircraft yeah, at these yeah. places and there's a lot of maintenance involved, but at the end of the day, it's also, cheaper in the long run because it's you know you're, you don't have to worry about uh, causing harm to the airplane you know leaving it out in the snow you know for a whole winter without moving and things like that right you know the the weather here yeah. in canada as you both know is a little harsh so a little bit yeah. just yeah. a little bit so it's good to know that the planes will be back in business yep hopefully soon some, hopefully some of them soon. will and then um you know i think what'll happen is uh some of the older airplanes that weren't as profitable um, but mm -hmm. the airline was flying them because the demand was there. I think that you'll see some of the older, you know, more, less efficient planes being retired. And then when mm -hmm. it's time to, uh, you know, when it's time to fill their spots, they'll probably be filled with uh, newer and more efficient aircraft. Um, particularly sense, when I say yeah. efficient, like fuel, right? That's the biggest, um, that's the biggest cost for an airline and highly variable too. I didn't even mm -hmm. know this, this existed in, uh, I mean, Steph, you seem to be quite a connoisseur of this <laughs> literally have a dream to go there and just take photos yeah it's um it, it, you have lived my dream Sean oh it's it's very cool so pre-covid it was just a uh, there was a lady working there uh, her name was Roxy and she would just you jump in uh, she has this airport Buick and she just drive you around and tell you all about the planes and the super mm. like one of the nicest people I ever met oh nice I'm not that sure if they're so still nice. doing tours now but um Someday, I'm sure. It'd you know. be the best time, yeah. no? They've got all the planes there. <laughs> She's probably loving it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great true. Time. Yeah, she loved working there, that's for sure. Oh. Um, when you talked about, sort of what we talked about before, like adapting, I was, I was reading uh, in terms of pilots, and like you said, you know, you haven't flown for a while, but uh, it seems like some pilots are now going into like the private jet route. Do you know anyone that's done that, where they're flying, you know, these big fancy private jets for <laughs> celebrities or whoever it might be, just to kind of, I, I guess, work right now? Yeah, so the the interesting thing about the, uh, we call that the corporate world. And, right. and in the corporate world, it's actually, it's very, very, um, 
I don't know how to say it. it's a small world, you know, everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows everybody. Um, and, you know, I think while there was a, a demand for pilots there, I think that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the airline pilots who are out of work who may have been in that corporate world before were able to get their jobs back. So it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we can just go fly corporate. Like I think a lot, you know, the few jobs mm-hmm. that were available, people just, uh, you know, went back and said, hey, you right. know, can I uh, fly with you again and sign a two-year so contract? The airline was also yeah. giving out uh, leave of absences so that if you found another flying job, you just uh, sign a leave of absence. You keep your seniority number, but you go okay. off and, you know, leave the airline for a few years. I was going to say, when you're a pilot, if you leave, uh, my understanding of it is if you leave to go work for another airline, it's like you have to start from the bottom again. Is that true? Or yeah, am I making for, that for sure. So with the airline world, it's all about seniority, right? And you get that on your date of hire and seniority factors in everything from what kind of schedule you get per month to what planes you fly. It's everything. It's mm. super important. And um, yeah, so if uh, if I left my current airline uh, on a leave of absence and I went to fly overseas, I would start at the very bottom, you know, at that overseas right. airline. The one thing I found really interesting is the conver- the lack of conversation around people who are ill flying home. Because people who catch COVID overseas, obviously getting on a plane, you are putting people at risk, whether it's the flight attendants, your fellow passengers. And there doesn't seem to be any conversation around the fact that like people have to get home. Yeah. Because if you're sick in a foreign country, if you stay, your travel insurance won't cover you. So it's like your hands are kind of tied to go home to be able to receive care. And I'm just wondering, moving forward, coming out of this, and this isn't really like a pilot question, but it's more just concern for the welfare of the staff there like do you know when people who are sick are getting on planes like can you see it can you was anyone self-identifying or was it just straight fear of the passengers like how was that the thoughts around the fact that people are getting on planes being sick right now yeah so I think if you were uh, visibly ill and seriously ill I don't think that you would be um, allowed on board the aircraft uh, if you were in a foreign country, you would get travel insurance. And if you needed to be uh, evacuated uh, medically, uh, your insurance company would probably arrange for uh, some kind of uh, air ambulance service. And those exist. It's uh, it's a kind of one of those corporate jobs where you work for an air ambulance and they'll fly a small jet and, you know, evacuate, um, evacuate mm-hmm. you out of that country if you have the right uh, insurance. But in terms of uh, passenger airline, like you might... It it depends, right? It's different because uh, it's also dependent on the uh, local airport's rules there, you know, in that country. So they might not even let you in if you, you know, if you look ill, right? right. Yeah. Um, or if you're coughing, if you had signs of COVID, they'd be like, no, we're not going to let you in. But I never saw that, you know, uh, just, yeah. just because um, when I go into the airport, you know, when I'm working, I... Um, you know, I'm going to my own little zone of the airport and, you know, we're, we're not really hanging around. Like you show up, you get in the plane, you fire it up, board the passengers and off you go. So it's uh it's kind of a different, it's a different experience going through the airport yeah. when you're working or as a passenger. Have any of your colleagues that you know of gotten sick, like caught mm-hmm. COVID? I have, I've heard of a few flight attendants who uh, who tested positive. So a couple of your colleagues have gotten it, which is, you know, it just scares me for 
the people working in the aviation industry. Like it was a something I'd never thought of, but you're face to face. Yeah. And not and not just COVID, kind of any illness people could be getting on board with. It's such a close proximity, but that's unfortunate. Yeah. 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 Do you have any colleagues that have maybe questions like their career moving forward? Like that maybe they, you know, because of this pandemic, they're like, you know what, maybe I don't want to be a flight attendant anymore. You know, I don't want to be up in the air and having to deal with something like a global pandemic again. I, I would imagine some flight attendants, yeah, you know, like a lot of them have been laid off, unfortunately. And, and I have a feeling that there'll be a you know, a good portion that just decide, no, nah, I'm not going to go back. Or I think with pilots, I don't think there's any pi- very few pilots that will, uh, you know, decide not to return just because you've invested so much time and money. Mm, yeah. um, there might be a lot of uh, pilots that decide to do an early retirement that, right. you know, they think I'm not putting up with this anymore. You know, that's it. Yeah. Are you going to retire early, Sean? I think I'm going to uh, give it another 25 or so years. <laughs> We've got or a 20 few years left. Yeah. But uh Aww. but yeah, no, I um I definitely am not going to be retiring anytime soon. No. And are you looking forward to getting back on a plane and flying? You have no idea. Absolutely. I can, Absolutely. I, I like my job. I like I like um, you know, it's a little routine that I have where I, you know, I go away for a few days, do my own thing and you know, I just I just miss that. I, you know, Rachel and I get along and, you know, we live in a tiny house, but we've been getting along great. But I just, you know, I miss my life being on the road. It's a part of my, uh, you know, it's a part of my thing. Yeah. Oh, I think we've, uh, Steph and I've said that even like, you know, not that we're pilots or work in the av- aviation industry, but just traveling is such sure. a fans. Yeah, just big fans. And I mean, we've got a travel podcast for God's sake. So obviously, yeah. you know, travel is a big part of our lives. And it's definitely been, I mean, I'm lucky that over the course of the summer, I was still able to get away a couple times. Uh, yeah. I went to Spain. I went to Sicily. Um, so, you know, I don't have it that bad. I was still able to get out. But, I mean, I usually do travel a lot more than this. Um, yeah, yeah, and, me too. you know, we're on a national lockdown now. And it's, you know, it gets to you. I don't think, as, you know, Steph said, like, travel is a privilege. And we probably do take it a bit for granted. And I'm sure you as a pilot and working in the aviation industry, it's probably the same where you're probably looking at it now being like, wow, I didn't realize how much just how much I loved it or yeah, how much absolutely. of a part of your life it is. Hopefully we will be back out there soon. I'm really hoping one day I am on one of your flights. How yeah. can we make this yes. happen? Can I like organize this somehow next time I fly home? <laughs> like can I get your schedule? <laughs> um yeah, well I don't I unfortunately so the plane I fly it doesn't go to uh London. Um right. it definitely doesn't go to uh Melbourne. <laughs> Well, I guess I, we we could go, but we'd have to, you know, get stopped for fuel a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the furthest the furthest I've gone is uh, Iceland um, or Colombia. Well, maybe I can go over to Iceland. I'll do a detour. I'll go oh, yeah? to Iceland. We'll go get a hot dog in Reykjavik. Yes, let's do it and pay eighty dollars for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's pricey. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. Can we wrap this out the same way we brought it in? Like, can you do us a pilot? Can you land us, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> Take Can us into landing. Return us to our destination. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your first officer speaking to you from the flight deck. I'd just like to thank you for uh, joining the podcast today. We're going to be uh, starting our final descent to our destination. So sit back, relax, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank you very much. <laughs> Amazing. Got some, got some tricks. <laughs> got some, love got some Hollywood uh, magic. 
on this end. I, I mean, honestly, there's nothing better than having a pilot on this podcast <laughs> that also used to work in radio. Because yeah. st- I, Sean, I knew that you would just pull out all the stops for us. So <laughs> we thank you for that. Perfect. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Sean. No problem. Nice talking to you both. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. Donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.